Here we go. Chase, why don't you put another log in the fire and start the conversation off? I believe today this is the third episode of the Campfire Podcast, and today we're talking about indie game and indie game development and the rise of indie games compared to AAA development. Mike, why don't you lead us off, please? Oh boy, indie games, where to start? Um, so just for some reference, uh, we all kind of grew up in the newer indie game boom, the 2005-2006 range with uh, Xbox Live Arcade and Steam really taking off. Uh, those were some great times. We got some good games out of it. Um, but I, I kind of think that it went downhill very quickly. Why do you think it went downhill? We got flooded with a bunch of just garbage games. That wasn't just from indie producers or indie game companies. It started to go with like some of the bigger companies, and I don't have an example off the top of my head. They started releasing like half-done games because the games that we were all buying weren't necessarily super pretty or you know fully developed. So, I mean, let's go through the history a little bit. Obviously, in the 80s and 90s, there's definitely a huge increase on just games in general. They became very popular. AAA companies were coming bigger and bigger. And they realized that the kind of the formula for games, a formula for success was a specific way. And they could just potentially keep following that formula or like minorly tweak it, make a game and then potentially still make millions and millions of dollars. Um, over the years, people have come bored of that. They don't like the same formula. And even some of the developers from these AAA companies decided that they no longer wanted to get pooped on by these AAA companies when they're working crunch time. So they made these indie companies and went more innovative and started making cooler projects. Like, I remember, honestly, probably the point of the boom of indie game development would have to be, like, Super Meat Boy, Braid... And uh, what was that other one? Like Fez. 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 Um, And then obviously after that, people have taken kind of inspiration from those guys that made those games and kind of left the company or even just fresh graduates started making their own indie game developments. And then and then to your point, Mike, we kind of had the I would almost agree with you with the saturation mode that we are now is that we just have so many indie games. Just that a, there's just too much. It's a garbage dump of games out there. Right. There's just a shovelware. And then, and then again, to your point, Mike, is that there was some other just AAA companies that were throwing more into the fire with the shovelware to kind of, kind of saturate the area even more. Yeah, I think some of the studios have done it right, where it's more of like the 1980s shareware approach, where what they would do is they'd give you a demo or give you a small piece of the pie to try it out before you really had to pay anything to play the game. And then you could, you know, send it to your friends and say, hey, I really like this game. Check it out also. And then, you know, if you decide you like it enough, you can pay for it. Uh, but as soon as, like, the bigger studios started getting involved in what they called indie games, <clears throat> they just started, uh, you know, dumping out, like, $40 games that you should be paying 10 15 bucks for at the most to help out a smaller studio. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed growing up shareware in that. Um you know, you'd get you do PC Gamer magazine, and they'd send a demo disc, and you could try out games and stuff like that. That was always really fun, even if it wasn't the full content. Then you at least knew, you know, you could go out and buy it, and it was free. It wasn't like today you buy half a game and then you got to wait for DLC or you got to wait for them to come out with patches um, and actually fix the game. I think a lot of the time there's like no QA done because they're they're trying to compete with the indie game market. 
they're trying to stay on top of it with these AAA developers, and they don't want to put the money in really. So you get a lot of you know half games, and then you got to wait for DLC or you got to wait for them to fix it. Um, so I'd almost make the argument that not necessarily that AAA companies are trying to compete with any game development. I think they just they feel like they can on their own cut corners and just push games out as fast as possible and push out these iterations on their games to kind of just pump out and get as much profit as possible. I honestly don't think they have a ton of fear from indie games. Um, I mean, look at look at like the Harvest Moon series. I mean, a lot of fans, a lot of people are going to buy it just because they love it. Um, but when Stardew Valley came out, games like that, there is competition. You got to sure. look like you got to look at. Do they want to buy this new Harvest Moon game, or are they content with Stardew Valley? Are they, are they going to buy the next you know indie farming game because Stardew did so well? I think the the problem with the Harvest Moon series, though, is that they kind of went very mobile. They seem to be very tied. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe they were mainly on the DS games at this point mm. in time. And then Stardew Valley, I think the reason that was so popular is that it was actually on PC and on Steam, because then, I mean, those are the games that you want to sink a ton of time in. And I, I mean, at least I, I can only speak for myself, but when I'm sitting at home, and if I want to sink a lot of time, I don't want to sit there on a tiny 3DS screen compared right. to actually on my computer. So a better example might be something like um, Fortnite and PUBG. So mm-hmm. PUBG wasn't necessarily a big studio to start with. Uh, and then Epic completely changed Fortnite to being, you know, that massive battle arena for everything. And that was purely because the game PUBG did so well that Epic decided, you know, I want a piece of that big pie too and just from what i've seen dumped entirely what the story mode was for fortnite and made it into a a massive shooter like that so i think there definitely is a lot of competition coming from these smaller studios it's not necessarily the games are better i think the ideas are better yeah i think that's fair there's definitely a lot more innovative thoughts coming into innovative design coming into the indie games um that could potentially sway the triple a uh, companies in a specific direction. That's a, that's a fair point. Chase, what about you? Do you have any thoughts about any games? Um. So personally, I came in to the later half of indie games with like Steam and stuff. Anything pr- prior to that, I don't have much experience with indie games. Um. Some thoughts of mine are like, I I don't understand like when I go out on Steam today, how people can just kind of half complete a game, and then. Uh, expect people to try and play it because their first experience and at least in my group of friends if they have a bad experience the first time playing a game they don't go back to it um another uh side topic would be like how how much is this business driven versus actually creating a a good game because i feel like a lot of the the bad indie games that we find on steam are just one people are trying to pump out and get as much money as possible versus the good ones that we find were actually thought about more and designed a little bit better and weren't just business focused i I think uh in a lot of cases they get their money and then they kind of run with it there are some good games out there where they put a lot of work in but they just you know either they didn't qa enough or they didn't you know test the market out enough but uh they get their money and kind of go um one of the games i really enjoyed was stellaris but it had huge problems for multiplayer you try and do a large universe, um, you get like an hour into it, and then every turn takes like 10 minutes. I'd still go back and play the game. I had a horrible experience with it, but if they fixed it, I'd go back and play some more. 
So this brings up an interesting topic. Stellaris, I'm, I don't remember. Did that ever go into like the early access space or was that purely they developed it and then released it? Um, I, th- I think it was. I can't, I can't say for sure. Um, I think there were beta demos or at least, uh, you know, when they did like the green light on yeah. Steam. Yep. Um, I think there was content out. I, I waited for it to be released. Sure. Um, so I can't speak too much to that. but Sure, yeah, that's unfortunate. The, the reason I asked that question is that uh, over the years, more recently, I've become an advocate for no longer supporting early access. Oh, yeah. Because, and the reason for that is that you have something like PUBG or you have some of those other games. I don't, I don't remember the one that was super notorious for being in early access forever and then just never left. Mm. But, what about like Daisy? It's, yeah, it's been that, in development for years. Like There you go. That, um, was, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially you have these games that kind of abuse the early access system where they can they feel like they can produce this game that is obviously not done and then just say, hey, it's early access, there's going to be some bugs, don't worry about it, we're totally going to fix it, guys. And then they throw it out there, people are super excited because it's a cool idea and they really want to see it expand and grow. But then they uh, kind of had this boom of popularity people love it and they keep buying it and they have they basically get all of their money at least majority of how much they're actually going to get from the game and then they feel like well either one will throw microtransactions in there and no longer do the the actual development of the game and actually increase or like fix the bugs increase the quality of it mm-hmm. or we'll just cut it down now and move on to the next project um you I actually you actually have some successes that actually leave early access and then actually have a finalized product. Um, a couple of those would be like I mean I mean this is a bad example, but PUBG actually did leave early access surprisingly, even though it's still kind of like the quality of it's still pretty bad, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think that actually it depends on the company too, and you know the guys that did um, like PUBG or. The, the zombie game users talking about Daisy. Daisy. Daisy sorry, <clears throat> I didn't play a lot of Daisy. So, but the um, the thing with those studios is I don't think they had like a comprehensive vision as to what their end goal was, and then they were able to just keep selling and keep iterating on whatever it may be, and then choose not to fix things. A good example of where that went really well. Um, it's Square Enix, so it's a bigger bigger company. But um, Octopath Traveler actually did a limited like pre play demo and then they sent out surveys and actually asked for feedback so i think the difference is just the way that they approach the feedback and the changes they want to make with their vision so maybe that's just uh it's a studio that hasn't been around long enough to understand how to take that feedback and you know make a viable product out of it because octopath traveler was just simply amazing and they actually implemented a bunch of changes recommended by the user base yeah that's pretty cool actually and having a developer that actually cares about their audience and actually wants to iterate based on how people enjoyed their game and how they would want it to improve. Especially when it's a larger studio, yeah. too, because they have the power, you know, they don't have to listen to you. Right, um, totally. Well, with that said, I guess, look at Battlefield and, and that. Um, okay. Or, uh, where what they, do you mean? Look at loot boxes. <laughs> okay. Where the where the uh, the fan base and the, uh, the gaming, you know... Uh, community rose kind of up against them and said this is this is garbage you know we shouldn't be sure. blowing so much money to get loot boxes so that we can get a skin that we would otherwise have to grind for for thousands of hours so i guess there, there is some sway in the gaming community which is nice um, but it is nice when you have a developer that kind of listens and uh looks at what they can do to make the game more fun you know for their player base and that rather than just okay i'm a 
AAA developer, I can just throw money wherever I want or just ignore them because I'm going to make my money anyways. Sure. I think that's where experience comes in. So as these studios hopefully start to grow and get a little more titles under their belts, they'll start to actually look at that feedback loop and you know take what we're saying and make the adjustments if they make sense. Well, it's like a Don't Starve, right? It was an amazing game. I loved it. Yeah. I spent a lot of hours on it. It was really fun. Then they added uh, multiplayer, so Don't yep. Starve together. Now I can play it with my kids. They love it. It's a lot of fun. Nice. So that's that's a you know an indie developer um, who's kind of risen up and now you know they're they're able to put more money into development and spend more time um, kind of figuring out how to do stuff. Um, I know Stardew Valley is looking at adding co-op and that too. Yeah, I think so, that actually fully released now. Is it now? Okay. Yeah. At least been, it wasn't beta for a while. I've been waiting for that just so I could play it with my kids. Yeah. But uh, other games too, like uh, Nidhogg, they did pretty well. Sure. Just a ridiculous game. Yeah. Nidhogg 2, I love it. It's just a blast. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a fun jousting game. Yeah, you just, you sit down... Uh, <laughs> or fencing, I should say. Yeah. There's another jousting game that's on Steam. It's indie. I don't know if we can say it. Um, no? Okay. <laughs> also fun and indie. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, those those little, little games where they kind of just put some stuff together and they have just a great idea behind it and then you know the the community kind of drives it and then they come out with you know Nidhogg 2 and it's just more ridiculous and it's more fun and that's the that's the type of stuff like that I like from any developers is when they have like this idea and these mechanics that are super fun and then they expand on it and they listen to their player base and they just make it better yeah um, and I think uh in a lot of cases that's missing from the you know uh, publishers and stuff, you know, AAA studios. It's nice to see that the indie game boom has kind of forced them to open their eyes and say, hey, you know, if you do it right, even if you're a small developer, as long as you listen to your player base, you know, um, you're going to have more buy-in. You're going to have people excited and you're going to have a larger fan base. Sure. I mean, there's definitely two sides of that coin on the fact that developers do have to, at sometimes, I will give them sometimes, uh, they do need to stick to their guns and kind of stick with the design that they were passionate about in the first place because you don't want to go down the slippery slope of releasing these, this niche title going for a niche audience because that's what you wanted to do and that's what you're passionate about. And then all of a sudden you have uh, a loud minority come to your forums and say, hey, we need to make this more mainstream and more simple because I just can't handle it. And then that gains traction, and then it just kind of moves away from the actual design of the game. But yes, I, I, there is obviously good times where you would listen to your audience to expand the, the capabilities of your game and your audience. I guess with that said, uh, a good example, just from my own opinion, um, I loved the first Gears of War. Um, when they started coming out with you know new uh, additions and that, they added all this stuff to the multiplayer, um, just like... All, all the grenades, smoke grenades, you know, and all the various weapons and stuff like that. It it took it took a level of play away um, where I felt it was just going the route of every other game, where it's just cramming so many different weapons and stuff sure. in there. Uh, the the first gears was super streamlined. Um, it was fun to play as like a team, and it, it just it it had such a nice flow to it. And then they added in so many aspects and things that uh, it, it it's just chaos, and it, you can't play it the same way. Um, right. And that's and that's them listening to the you know, the majority market. So now I might be unhappy with it, you know, but everyone else is on, everyone else is happy with maybe the way it happened. Um, right. They did release, you know, Gears of War Ultimate Edition. So they came back and they took the first one and they kind of, you know, 
uh, ramped up the graphics and added, you know, all the favorite levels and stuff like that. Um, my disappointment there was they, they did change some of the levels. Maybe it was just better balancing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I can see the community coming in and, um, you know, making other people unhappy, even if we are the minority. Um, but that's where I guess like Epic, if they're listening to both sides, you know, they right. release, they release, uh, you know, like vanilla wow. Right. Um, so that that, <clears throat> that leads me to a question I have, or kind of get your guys' perspective on, is that even, uh, whether it's an indie game or a AAA game, when they release, do you think there's a point where people take it too far, where releasing one uh, consecutive versions after that, eventually they should just stop and move on to a different game? I guess. What do you mean? So, so you're saying if a, a, a game developer just so, so takes so like a, um, Sam was talking about Gears of War and then all the consecutive versions. Uh, do you do you think there's a point where game developers should stop releasing those consecutive versions? So you're saying like we have Final Fantasy? What? How far up are? Are we now? <laughs> are you talking sequels or are you talking iterations? So, like, I mean, I, so what uh, Sam was talking about, I believe, was that in uh, the in Gears of War one, at least, you were saying that they updated the game itself to add more stuff. Or are you yeah. saying in Gears two they changed the multiplayer to the point Gears, that you didn't like it? Right. Yeah, Gears two they changed the multiplayer to the point where I wasn't comfortable with it in sure. a way where I thought. I thought the original one was uh, streamlined in such a way where you had a lot of team dynamic and stuff, and um, there was a, there was a lot of uh, um, just strategizing that changed entirely when they started adding all the new weapons and stuff like that, and like a lot of the a lot of the different weapons that you would see in other games that were out, you know, um, adding like poison grenades and sure. stuff like that, and you know, like uh, the mortar things, just just random random things like that, which. Uh, you know, they're in other games and, you know, the community seems to enjoy them. But uh, I myself, I always enjoy the first one when I sit down to play. Um, it had its own kind of style. And if I'm going to play a game like that, I might, you know, choose to play some other game, Battlefield or something, you know. Right. So, I mean, back to, to Chase's comment, I think it really depends. Uh, the, the, the issue that I run into is that if you have a popular series like Gears of War or if you say like World of Warcraft is that you uh, have this game that people expect kind of two things to happen. They want the same game that they enjoyed from the first time, but they also want it expanded. They also want new things. So it's a really hard thing to balance on. Okay, yeah, we'll give you the same thing, but obviously you want more, so we'll try and iterate it, expand it, make it cooler, at least what we think you guys think is cool, and then keep going. And then as you have these versions that keep going and going based off that, it definitely drifts further and further away what the original idea was. So I believe your original question is like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Um, yeah, so like, um, let me give you a different example that might make uh, better sense. Like, if you take DayZ, for example, it's just been going on and on and on with updates and updates. Do you think that they should continue developing a game like that um, and try and make it more and more better to try to keep everyone happy? Or do you think they should just call it at some point and be like, here's the game. Do you guys like it or not? Or, or take uh, Minecraft, for example. Minecraft's been around for a while. I 
think technically when it started, it was considered an yeah, indie game. It was. Um, but now it's gotten, qu- it's gotten quite a bit different from where it started, but still kind of the base game. Um, and, but the, the updates seem to be good ones still. Yeah, no, there are, there are two versions of it now, too, and I think that's like what you're saying, where when do we cut off, you know, when do we cut it off and say, okay, this is this game's done, and then either take it and make Minecraft 2, which is essentially what the new one on, like, on a lot of these platforms, they have, you know, the re-released Minecraft, and there's a lot of changes to it, just like the graphic style and everything like that, um, and gameplay. Um, now they get to make their money again on it. It's not bad, and if the fans like it, you know, and they want to buy in on it, then, you know, they can support you know, that franchise and keep pushing it. Mike, you have some comments? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that you need to, if you're going to stop working on a game, you at least need to handle all the broken features. And I don't mean everything that's broken because you're always going to have bugs, but if there's something game breaking, I think that's when you can stop working at like complete the game breaking issues and leave it the way it is. And then if you want to, you know, build a second version of it, then go into it. But you can't, in my opinion, I mean, people do, but you shouldn't be able to keep developing a game forever, leave game-breaking pieces in, and then try and sell a new version of that same game. So it's got to be one, the first one has to be working, or just scrap it entirely and you know stop trying to sell it, or branch off as soon as you're done with that fully functional game, if that made sense. So Chase, your question kind of goes along the different philosophies on kind of game post-production is that currently the the current culture of game development is that you have this game as a surface and then you also have the the old school way is that as soon as you release a game that is the game this is the entire content maybe you'll get it like an expansion pack but for the most part this is the game and if there's going to be any more iterations on it it's going to be on an upcoming title um so you have so we were talking about minecraft uh, and then you also were talking about PUBG and DayZ, where they're constantly giving you content updates. So essentially, you still have the old game, but they're changing it as you play it. This is the same thing with, like, Destiny is a game as a service. Same with all these other recent titles, is where they basically want you to buy the base game, and then they'll give you more content updates in the future, as well as want they want you to buy these uh, expansion packs, or the, or the season passes to essentially so they keep getting money from you from the same title in that form uh so i mean they in my opinion they both have their place i honestly prefer the the original way on like you get a base game this is what you can expect from the like the actual content in the game and then if you if they come out with a new idea or expand on it and then sequel game and if you are interested in that then you can go buy the next game and then it has another large chunk of content instead of this slow trickle of oh i gotta pay 30 bucks for this expansion oh i gotta pay another 30 bucks for this expansion kind of a way yeah i've always been torn on the whole expansion pack idea where i i always like buying a game and that that is the game and then i understand why someone would they i understand why they want you to pay more money um, by getting an expansion pack because that's work done after the fact and adds to the game. But sometimes I've seen where game game developers and companies use expansion packs as a way to get you to pay more for just a base game. Um, so yeah, I, I I I see the point. I see the. I think it depends though, Chase. Like, is, is the game that you purchased complete, and then they're trying to force another 
piece onto it so it, or is it incomplete and they're trying to force you to buy it to make it complete yeah that's that, what, that's, that's where i get angry about it but if it's a like something with like um destiny or fire emblem where it's an actual new content where it's a whole nother storyline it's not just oh well we gave you half the game it's pretty broken uh how do we pay for the losses that we just put into making this actually work because we ran out of budget and time uh, here's another $30 DLC to make the game complete. That's when it's a problem. Exactly. Yep, I agree. So we kind of went off topic a little bit, but just to kind of pull it back in, a couple a couple indie game idea or a couple indie games that kind of did it right, in my opinion, are uh, Hollow Knight did a fantastic job on releasing a game, and then they just said, actually, they just had free DLC. You had the base game, and then they just give you, they trickled some content added after the fact, for free, which was really cool, and that's definitely the, I mean, obviously as a consumer, I would prefer that, just because I don't have to spend more money on an awesome game. Um, but yeah, Mike, do you, you think a- that, do you think that has to do with uh, them doing much better than they anticipated on sales originally? Possibly. I mean, that's a, that's a valid point. Maybe they realized, like, oh, we were not expecting to be this popular. Well, let's... Rain, let's let's throw up more content to make it boom even more. That's definitely a good point. Yeah, I, not that it's a, a bad thing to do it that way or like they didn't see the success coming. And I just think that it helps to um, build it more like you were saying, you know, give it a little bit of a trickle of some new free little extras and, you know, even build the game base higher and more people are going to enjoy getting those pieces and probably are more likely to buy a sequel. Yeah. Uh, another example that I have is from Larian Studios is uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, mm-hmm. specifically, even the first one. But uh, the second one, they released the game, honestly, one of my top 10 games, even at the original state. And then probably a year later, they released like a remastered version where essentially they basically rewrote the final act because they didn't like how it went and it was just wasn't as impactful as they wanted it to be but then they also added more content more quests and it was just that was a free update that they gave to people who actually bought the game i love it when game companies do that when they're passionate about the quality and want to increase their popularity based on that it was it was really a great game too coming from like Baldur's gate icewind dale arcanum games like that it's it's nice to have like a newer you know indie developer her studios come in and make these games again and just there's some nostalgia there but then they're also when they're put together well and they put the time in and they listen to their player base um, and continue expanding on it and fixing things it just makes for a really good experience so do you guys think that indie games has a place going forward and it will continue to expand or do you think that we are currently at the renaissance of indie games and it's going to eventually hit a dark age it's going to keep i think it's going to keep expanding especially as we have engines like you know unity um you know the unreal engine when they when they make it available to indie developers who don't have money to you know buy the software right off the bat um same with like using stuff like blender just free software that's out there now so that people can start making their own content and putting it out there. Um, I think as these tools start becoming better and more refined and easier for people who don't have the experience or the buy-in from the beginning, I think we're going to start seeing you know more more indie games coming out in that. Um, what I would like to see is a better filter on them, um, so that you're not getting buried under you know small studios that tried to make a game and released it, and now it's in the marketplace and it's you know suffocating and strangling other games that are trying to get up and get some light you know 
um, but they can't just because there's so many. So how do you combat that? Like, how do you uh, how do you filter out? How can you define what is a good game and what is a bad game? You need entrepreneurs. Um, you need a you need people to kind of go out and say, "Hey, uh, this game is really fun." And a lot of the times it comes down to ads, unfortunately, or they're still buying at this point because the market is you know it's it's so saturated that you have to get your game out there and people have to know that it's fun. Um, I think that kind of comes back to the the whole shareware thing. If you can get it out there and get it into people's hands uh, and not have to put a, a paywall in front of trying it, that's a really good way to get things to start going. And then it just travels word of mouth. I mean, one of a stupid game that I played way too much was I made a game with zombies in it. And I heard about that from a friend who heard about it from a friend and it's a buck and everyone was just willing to throw a dollar at it because it was fun. And I think that was one of the bigger games at the beginning of this boom. So, I mean, uh, uh, the kind of interesting thing that I've seen it like on kind of uh, advertising these indie developments and how they advertise their games is that they would throw it on Reddit and say, Hey guys, uh, me and my buddy have been working on this game for the past five years and this is this is what we want to show off. And they have this little video and sometimes they're awesome, right? And these this is an absolutely wonderful way on how to gain buzz and get word out there on these these really cool ideas that they have. But one thing I don't want is that I don't want it to become the, the standard like, oh, hey guys, I've been working on this game for six months and uh, here's my block game. And it just looks awful and looks garbage. Obviously, that's what the voting system's for. Right. So we can get rid of those, uh, or we can download those things and get them on, download them to oblivion so they're no longer there. But uh, yeah. I think too, as the indie market continues to expand and more people have access, I think that that process will be refined. So the saturation won't be as bad. Yeah, and then, so, back to the original question, do you, do we think it will still continue? I think, yes, uh, indie games will still continue, and the main reason right now is that people didn't have in the past is more and more resources that allow them to continue uh, making them cheaper. Like, they don't have to go to a big company to get resources, but maybe the next major blocker in that is how they advertise their games, right? Like, we have some, the, the Steam marketplace is just saturated, right? Um, people are starting to try and use different platforms like Reddit to market their games, but at the end of the day, word of mouth might reign supreme. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I I think that with the... I see there's a decline in AAA titles. People are just bored of them. They're mm-hmm. just too monotonous, too much of the same, and they're just follow the same lines of same formula. Like, ah, we've got to throw in some loot box, throw in some microtransactions, and kind of gate off all progression as much as possible to make people pay us more money. So I think that will definitely increase the popularity of indie game and and having the more innovation in that kind of a thing. Totally. Uh, Mike, you have any final thoughts? I just kind of want to know what you guys, you know, what your favorite indie game is. Uh, right now, I'm really enjoying RimWorld. Um, I've put far too many hours into it. Um, great game. Chase, what's your favorite favorite indie game what do you got meat boy played way too much of that in college <laughs> nice nice you seem like a meat boy fan <laughs> mine is a uh it's i would have to say divinity original sin 2 mm. yeah i'm kind of torn between like enter the gungeon because that is a ton of fun and uh something like the banner saga the series is just great but yeah. i love turn-based stuff so cool 
All right. Well, this was this was Colin, Chase, Sam, and Mike, and we'll see you next time around the campfire. Yeah.